over the past few weeks as we have been moving toward Christmas and remembering the greatest gift ever given in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, we've been focusing on some different words through a use of the Advent candles and uh, some times of reflection and then even in our uh, devotionals throughout the week. And we've been looking at these words and as I said a few times, we're not trying to define it as a whole, but we're looking at it from a certain angle, I think, that gives us some meaning in this particular point in time and in this season. We talked about hope some weeks back, and we talked about the fact that hope is alive. Hope is alive in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we see that we have hope because of what Jesus Christ did through his death and his resurrection, overcoming sin and the grave. It gives hope beyond hope. It's an, it is something that goes beyond anything that we could possibly dream or imagine. Hope is alive in the person of Jesus Christ. And we talked about the word peace and You know, that's one that I think a lot of people have a definition of in their head that maybe even sometimes is changing at times, but many times we look at peace just as in, can I just have some peace? Meaning the absence of conflict or the absence of stress. But really what I challenge us to do is think about peace in a different way, that peace is presence. Peace is the presence of God. And some of my favorite things to recall on that are, are honestly in the book of Job. It's a book of great tragedy in many ways and there's a lot of questions and a lot of frustration and a, a lot of things happening in that but then God shows up at the end of the book and he questions Job in a very direct way and here's the thing that always stood out to me about that story. I don't have time to go into it this morning but Job never gets any of his questions answered. And yet he comes to the place where he goes, I'm, I'm good, God, I'm, I'm good. And, and I believe that that's surely because of the presence of God. And so peace comes in presence, in, in that abiding presence of God, in us seeking God's presence. It's not trying to get rid of all the things that, that cause stress and conflict. It's trying to run into the presence and remembering that God is with us, as we just sang about as well, no matter what it is that we're facing. And last week we looked at the word joy. And simply put, I just said this, that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Because of the great things that God has done, we have a choice. We're either going to focus on him or we're going to be focused somewhere else in our life. We're going to focus on things that distract us from God or we're going to focus on God himself. And so today we come to the the final word that we're looking at before Christmas, and that word is love. Would you agree with me on this? Perhaps an overused word in our culture. You know, when we can, when we can look at things and I, and I start talking about my wife, if you will, and I talk about how much I love her, and we've been together over 30 years married, and even some years before that, while we were dating, and I talk about I I love her so much, and I love what she does, and I love these things, and then I can come at the same thing and go, I love tacos. It kind of goes, 
So what does this word really mean? You know, are you putting tacos on the level of, of you know, how, how does this work? So love is one of those words that sometimes gets overused or overplayed at times and it perhaps loses some of its meaning. And perhaps again, like we say with some of these other things, perhaps with love, I will say this probably more so than any of those other words, our culture puts up a skewed view of what love is. And so it's hard sometimes to sort through all of the things that culture may say are the definition of love or the purpose of love to come through what a clear picture of love truly is. So I I give you this this morning, that love is a person. Love is a person. It's a person. It's not a feeling. It's not a thought. God sent Jesus so that we can know love personally. We can know the person of Jesus Christ. And if you will, follow along with me in 1 John chapter 4. John writes these words starting in verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love, let that pass, it's a siren for those of you online, welcome to church. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. Love is a person. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, when we try to define love through our limited and broken lens of life, we're going to come up short. And so what John does is he reminds us that love is God. Love is given by God. Love is defined by God. Everything about love comes through God. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved God us and then he loved us so much that he sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins and buddy you did it better than I can do it this morning but I'm gonna read your verse again if that's okay all right you did a great job quoting John three sixteen for us this morning but it says this for God loved the world in this way he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but we have eternal life. And again, with love being this word that is so, I say, overused at times in our culture, sometimes I think we miss the depth and the significance that God loves us so much that he took action. When, when we were separated from him without possibility of a relationship being restored without God moving, God moved. He loves us so much that he wants us to be with him. He wants us to know him. Love is a person. It is 
in the person of Jesus Christ. We know love personally if we know Jesus. And so because of Jesus, that's where we rest this morning. Because of Jesus, I can know love. You know, the verse tells us, plain as we can be, without Christ in our life, without God, without a belief in him, without a saving relationship with the person of Jesus Christ in our life, we cannot know love. Now, some of you may be going, now, hold on a minute. So what's this thing that's happening with people I know that may not be a Christian or may not follow Christ, and they say they love one another and they love people and they're, I mean, some of them are nice people, some of them are good people. So, so what is it about them? Well, what scripture's saying is that's an incomplete love. It's, an, it's, it's a love that, that can't, be, can't be to its full capacity because without God, you cannot fully love because God is love. And so it's the same thing that I tell people all the time. This, this world that we live in, I wish it was more black and white than it was, than it is at times. But it's not that everything in our life is extremely good or extremely bad. It's that there are some times that we notice this, that there are people who don't believe in God, don't have faith in God, but they're, by, def- by definition of our culture, good people, right? And, and they're not hateful, they're not spiteful, they're not mean, they do good things, they're generous, all these type of things. But for some reason, they, they don't have a relationship with God, and so therefore that is an incomplete type of love, an incomplete fulfillment of life. But when we know God to his fullness, then we can have the fullness of love. And again, I get one of the best definitions of this in the closest relationship that I have on this earth, and that's Julie. I'm picking on her, I guess, this morning. Hi, babe, you're back there. Happy birthday this week. So we learned early on in our marriage that I'm not good enough for her. Y'all probably figured that out a long time ago, right? Amen. Thank you very much for some of you. And the, the, the opposite is true as well. She can't be everything for me. And so if I have this strongest, closest, best relationship ever, and I love her with all that I have, but yet that's not enough, then, then where do we find enough? We find it in God. And you see, when, when we both pursue God, God is enough for us. He's enough for you. He's enough for everybody. And then the love that I get from God is so full and so complete and so enough that I now have an abundance of love in my life because of the love that God is pouring out on me. And then now I am able to truly express love in a way that I am unable to do without God in my life because I'm fulfilled, I'm complete, I'm not needy. And I just get to express love freely because everything that I have and need comes from God. And so because of Jesus, I can know love. Because of what Jesus has done, he has restored a relationship between me and God that was broken by sin. And now love can be mine because of who Jesus is in my life. He goes on to say in verses 8 and 9 here, 1 John, The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Those are your key words right there. Live through him. You find fullness of life and fullness of love as we live through the person of Jesus Christ, not on our own. 
When we try to accomplish and do everything of this on our own, we're going to fall short on things all the time. But when we live through the fullness of what God has done in our life and through the person of Jesus Christ, then we live in fullness of love, being fully known and fully loved by God and being able to love others as well. Now let me take this to the next level and let's get personal this morning just a little bit. Not only can I know love, because I get, that's kind of a distant thing, isn't it? If I, I can know Jesus and I can know love and I see that out there, but let's just bring this home a little bit. And I want you to understand this. Because of the work of Jesus, not only can I know love, I can be loved. I can be loved. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of you need to hear that you can be loved. Because I know that there have been times in my life where I've convinced myself that I'm unlovable. And I would bet that there may be people that hear this message or are going through a different time of life and they go, I I just, I don't know that God can actually love me. But the truth is because of what Christ has done, I can be loved. You know, this is truly one of those things that for some people is very difficult to receive. To, to allow people to love them is a difficult thing at times because they feel like that they have to be the one in charge or they have to be the one doing this. But can you just take a deep breath this morning and understand that I can be loved because of what Christ has done? I, I can be loved. God knows me and yet he loves me. And you know, we all have a past and you hear me say this all the time. Our past can be 10, 10 years ago. Our past can be 10 minutes ago, right? We all have a past. And sometimes we think that because of our past that we're excluded now from being able to be loved by God. But the truth is, is that God loves us and we can be loved by God because... Yes, it is true that our sin has separated us from God. Yes, it is true that we're broken and alone and helpless without God. Yes, it's true that we cannot get there on our own power, but because of Jesus, I can now be loved. And it's a verse that you hear me say over and over and over and over in this church because it's part of our vision and it's something that we want to just shout from the rooftops and let everybody know. It's Romans 5, 8, that God proves his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Unconditional, all-knowing love. God, what I love about that verse is that our sin is even acknowledged. It's not, okay, once you've cleaned yourself up, then you got what, what I wanted to give you. It's no, while we were still sinners. There's other places in scripture that remind us that we at one time were enemies of God. So I just get this picture, while we were as anti-God as we could be, hateful, selfish, focused on anything else but him. At that moment, at our worst, God said, that's when they need me the most. And because of love, he said, I know exactly who you are. I created you. I put you together. I know everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. And even in all that, 
I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love you. And so he sent Jesus Christ to die for us at that moment. Now that puts us at a point where we have to make a decision. Are we going to accept that love? Or are we going to reject that love? Are we going to continue living going, no, I'm, I'm by myself and you don't know what I've done? He knows what you've done. And he demonstrated love within that as well. And then I think the next thing is, that's not a verse that just says, then you can do whatever you want and God's going to love you. It's a verse that says, no matter what you've done, God is demonstrating love to you and offering you a path to love and life if you will follow him. You see, he will meet us right where we are, no matter where we are in life. And when we begin to accept that love of God, confess him as Lord and Savior and say, God, your ways are better than my ways and my ways have led me to here and I trust that your ways are gonna lead me to life and we begin to repent of our sins, confess that I am wrong and God is right and then say, okay, God, I am now going to live your way the best that I can. We're all going to stumble as we figure it out. We're all going to have moments where we don't get it all right. But as we take that time and we say, okay, God, I'm going to start right here today. I'm going to focus on you and I'm actually going to follow your word. I'm going to live out your word. And that's how I'm going to demonstrate my love back to you. Even though my love is insufficient and incomplete, your love is complete and it fills that gap that I can't do on my own. And so I can be loved because God loves me right where I am. And his love should compel me to pursue him. See, God's love shouldn't compel me to more selfishness. It should compel me to change. Because God gives such an extravagant demonstration of love in the person of Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate the birth of this season, it should lead us to say, there is nothing that I can do or have in this world that's going to be better than the love that God has for me. So I'm going to give him my all. And so then we can be loved by God. And our response to that love isn't trying to earn it back. It's just simply coming to the place that we accept it and say, this has changed my life. The extravagant love of God has changed me. And I now know him and I pursue him with all that I have. And then there's an incredible thing that we get to do as we pursue loving God. And we talked about it all year long. We started the year with this verse, the, the greatest commandment. And, and it says in Matthew 22, teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus answered, he said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So here's the truth. Because of what God has done in my life, I can know love. I can be loved. And I can love others. Now, let me just say this again. What scripture teaches us over and over is that we can be nice to one another. We can appreciate one another. We can have a worldly definition of love. 
toward one another. But when Christ comes into our hearts and we begin to pursue and follow him, then we get the ability at that point in time to fully and completely love others. And it really begins to change our hearts because it moves us from a point, and I think if you're honest with yourself, you'll see some of this. It moves us from a point of needing others to loving others. And I'm not saying that we don't need one another. I believe that God made us to be dependent on him and interdependent with one another. So much scripture that talks about the body of Christ working together. And we're not all that all by ourselves. We're supposed to be together and working together on this. But in this context, what I'm saying is that we don't live our lives in constant need from those around us. But yet we live in such a way that says God has loved me in such a way that I can now love you. And man, when you're surrounded by people who are living that way as well, the amount of love that overflows into these situations is incredible. And it doesn't mean that everything's good and that everything's happy all the time and that all things are going to go well and perfectly and we're never going to have any issues in a relationship and these things aren't you know, going to happen in our life. But it means that because of the abundant love of God that is in my life, I have the ability to love others and it doesn't matter what they do to me. Now, I also say at these point in times, got to be careful on that. I'm not saying uh, for people maybe in extreme situations that we're supposed to be stepping stones or have people abuse us. That's not what I'm saying at all in this. What I am saying is that we live our lives in such a way that I don't walk around needing confirmation from everybody because I have all I have, all I need in Christ. And I now have the ability to truly love others and receive love from them because God alone is enough. There's a lot in there. I understand. And I know that there's a lot in there because as I said at the very first of this message, I believe that love is one of those words that in our culture gets difficult to pin on the wall because we have so many pictures and images and definitions and things that come and flood our brain that I think we need to narrow our focus and again be reminded that love is a person. Love is defined in the person of Jesus Christ. And the more that we pursue the person of Jesus Christ and he will point us to God, the more that we will discover the love of God, we will understand that God is love and that is the love that we need in our life. That's why I say, again, the greatest gift that has ever been given was the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. When God looked at us at our greatest point of need, and even while we weren't even thinking or looking to him, he gave us a gift. He gave us the gift of Jesus Christ so that we can know love, so that we can be loved, and so that we can love others. Because without Christ, we may have moments of peace, but we won't have peace. We may have moments of hope, but we won't have hope. We may have times of joy, but we won't truly have joy. And we may feel love at times, but we won't know love without him. That's why what Christ has done goes beyond anything that you could possibly dream or imagine. And that's why in this season we celebrate the birth of Christ because we're reminded it was God reaching out to us. 
And while we were still sinners, giving us this gift of Jesus Christ, who's going to come and he's going to live a perfect and sinless life. And he's going to die on that cross, but he's going to overcome that cross. He's going to rise again three days later from that tomb, overcoming sin and death. And in doing that, he gives us hope. He gives us peace. He gives us joy. And he gives us love. We're going to do something different here at the end. Caleb's going to come up here in just a second. He's going to lead us in a, in a response time today. We're going to put some action uh, with our love back to God today. But as we get ready for that time, would you just pray for me? Pray with me.